You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so I can't tell you everything that you need to know about the Word of God in one service, all right? So uh, I'm going to tell you three things today. But just before I tell you those three things, uh, those are the three that I feel God said when he talked about. Let me take you to a scripture right here, a little something about the Word of God. Right here, Romans chapter 10. So faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. That's how we get faith. Okay, and so uh, a lot of people really focus on that. It's like, so that's why you need to come to church. You need to be here so that you can get, you know, more of the Word of God in you because, you know, getting the Word of God in you is what builds your faith. But it also needs to be all week long, not just what you can hear on a Sunday morning. But that's not it, all of it either. You know, this is what, this is so important because faith is what can change your life. We talked about faith two weeks ago. We talked about prayer last week. Faith can change your life. But the faith can't change your life unless it gets in you in the first place. If you're not reading the Word on your own and the, and, and the Word is not getting in there to build up your faith, then it can't do anything for you. But then on the, other, on the flip side of that, if all you do is just hear and hear and hear, you know, you hear preaching and you, and you study the Word and that's all you do, then, you know, it, it's like someone, y- y'all ever heard of uh, people who uh, are professional students, you know? Y'all ever heard of those? Yeah, you know, uh, 20 years in a bachelor program, right, or whatever. You know, maybe they do get a degree and they go after another one, another one, another one, and, and they never actually put it to use. You know what? Faith, according to Scripture, James says, faith without works is dead. And I mean, you know, and that, I think a lot of times we try to use that to say, so you need to be serving God and doing something for God. And yes, that's true. But it also means, you know, if your faith isn't doing something in you, if it's not working in you, it's dead. So it's not enough to just get it up here. We've got to get it out of the classroom. You know, it can't be enough for us to just come for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning and hear more faith and hear more (coughs) word of whatever to build our faith. We've got to let it get out of the classroom and get it out there in the entire 168 hours that we've got every week. And, you know, I said this first, first Sunday, and I want to say this again. I think we need to be saying this more and more often because this, this has just happened. There are way too many people, way too many Christians who are looking for a church to minister to them instead of looking for a church that they can minister in. And that's what your faith is supposed to do. You're not supposed to just come find a place that pours into you, pours into you, and pours into you. Eventually, you're, you're, you need to find a place. And if this isn't it, 2911 is not it, go find it. You need a church that you can minister in, that you can make a difference, that you can, uh, that you can change someone's life. You can be a part of it. Like, like Lexi praying last week, you can be a part of changing something in someone's life. You need to find that place. That's what you should be looking for in a church. A place where you can make a difference, not a place that will make a difference in you. And there's too many of us doing that. So we got we to get this faith out of the classroom and get it out there in our, the rest of the 168 hours of every week, okay? So I'm going to tell you three things this morning about the Word of God. And uh, before I tell you what the first one is, let me set it up just a little bit, okay? That I don't know if you ever noticed, but I hear people a lot of times quoting the Bible they don't realize they're quoting the Bible. You know, and I don't want to say, hey, did you know that that truth or that thing that you, did you know that was from the Bible? Here's a, here's a list 
of some common phrases that originated from the Bible. And this is just a few of them, okay? Some that you'll recognize. Wolf in sheep's clothing, that's from the Bible. Fly in the ointment, that's from the Bible. Um, or a drop in the bucket. <laughs> you've heard that. Like you've said that. You know, you've heard people say that. That's from the Bible also. Uh, uh, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, ask for his head on the platter. Uh, scapegoat, you know, he was made to scapegoat. And you hear that. And that's from the Bible as well. Uh, the 11th hour, we hear that a lot today. You know, the world is coming to an end, you know, and uh, we're at the 11th hour of, the, you know, the nuclear age and all of that. And that, the 11th hour, that's a phrase from the Bible. Uh, Good Samaritan, sour grapes. Did you realize sour grapes was actually uh, a phrase from the Bible? So all of these things. And, and then this last one, the truth will set you free. It's also from the Bible. And when you hear people say that, but I hear people say that and they, mis they misuse it. You know, the truth will set you free. When you, when you learn this, you'll realize that, that the truth sets you free. I mean, I hear people say that, and, and they're talking more like something. When you hear what people have been saying behind your back, it'll set you free. That's not what it means, okay? You know, when you, when you learn this about, you know, the truth of what's going on, that it'll set you free. That's not what it's talking about. It says the truth will set you free. Not your truth, not my truth, not our truth, but the truth will set you free. These phrases, God's Word has infiltrated our world, our lives, even our government. And I almost got bogged down here in the first service. I'm going to be careful, okay? Because I want, I, I, want to, I want to share this with you, but I shared it several months ago, so I don't want to jump in again. But there is so much that's happened because of, uh, of the Scripture. God's Word has changed so much about our world around us. We don't even realize it. How, involved, how it is so involved, in, even in our governments and our laws and things, and how it's involved there. So, so really, you know, God's Word has just in, infiltrated our lives in every single way, even in our conversations, right? His Word has. But it's got to go beyond just getting in here and us just quoting it every once in a while. You know, it's got to go beyond that because the Word of God is not a book just of advice. The Word of God is truth. That's the first thing I wanted to tell you this morning. Of the three things I want to tell you about the Bible, the first one is this, that God's word is truth. It is not a truth. It does not contain truth. It is truth. Okay? And as a, as a child of God, you need to know that. You need to believe that. If you don't believe that, then, then you've got to back up somewhere and, and, and find that faith that God's word is truth. Okay, so, so let me set this up. For, uh, give you some examples here a little bit of uh, how we say we believe that, but we don't actually sometimes live it out. Um, when, uh, when, I, when I tell you uh, th these three phrases up here on the screen, when you see these three phrases, what do you think of? Who wants to be a millionaire? Right, right. Y'all seen the show? It's an old show. It's been uh, 20 plus years ago, right? Uh, Regis Philbin was the host way back in the early days, and Meredith Vieira, I think, took over for a little while. And, and it actually is in a whole lot of other countries uh, because it was really popular. Well, it's, it's in reruns now on some channel or some, some app or something, and, and Davis started recording it. So we've been watching it lately because, you know, we forgot all those answers from 20-something years ago, right? And uh, so, well, and the reason she's really recording it is because there's nothing else better to watch on TV, it seems like, these days. Uh, you can argue with me about that later, too, if you want to, okay? Uh, but so, so we've been recording it. And so if you don't know the show, I can't, I can't imagine anyone not knowing a little bit about the show to know this, but let me go ahead and say it in case. If you don't know the answer to a question, you get 
get these three lifelines that you can reach out and get some help about it. And the first one that is, I mean, it's always the first one used, I believe, it is ask the audience, okay? And so what they do is they ask the audience, the audience, they've got keypads, and they punch in, you know, what their answer is, one, two, three, or four. They have four possible answers, so they punch it in. Regis said one time that it, they are so accurate, he said they are 95% accurate. 95% of the time, they get it right. The audience gets it right. And uh, so, you know, that is pretty awesome, but you got to notice this. Remember what I said is that, that's one of the first ones used they ask the audience and the reason is is because the reality of it is is they get the early questions right more of the time than they would get the latter ones because the early ones are really really simple and uh, they get a little harder as it goes on the early ones are so simple that when we're watching it david will fast forward through the first three or four questions because you said you know you know it's like you're just insulting my intelligence asking me stuff like this you know i, I mean you know some of those first questions are, are like which animal would not make a good pet? Dog, cat, goldfish, rhinoceros. <laughs> you know? And, and, and they do that. There's some just, just an outlandish answer down there, you know. But there have been a couple of times that people have been tripped up on even the very, very first question. How embarrassing that would have to be, right? You know, I, I wouldn't want to sign my rights to be on TV for that one. But, but uh, they do that. So, so you ask in the early, but you get 95% because... Everybody knows the easy stuff, or 95%. I mean, we know the easy stuff, right? I mean, 95% of, of, of people know that murder's wrong, right? We know the easy stuff. At least, uh, you know, say hopefully 95% or more know that it's wrong. We know that it's wrong. We know the easy stuff. And, and so that, that's why you get those high numbers. But we don't know the hard stuff sometimes, but we still go reaching out for the audience. Here's, let me tell you what happens. You'll probably know. You can answer this. What do you think happens? When the audience is all voting and an audience member does not know the answer, what do you think they do? Guess. And you know what I, you know what I want to do? As I want to say, y'all, if you don't know the answer, quit guessing. You're supposed to be helping the contestant. And if you're guessing, you're not helping the contestant. You know, because you get, you get on up to the eighth, ninth, tenth question or whatever, and you'll start seeing, you know, instead of having 90% voting on this one that's obviously the right answer, you'll have it more scattered across because, you know, everybody doesn't know the hard ones and quit guessing. But you know what? You know, it made me think. That's what happens with our friends. I mean, when we ask our friends and they don't know, what do they do? Guess? <laughs> or they make something up right on the spot, right? Or maybe they start thinking about it and say, well, you know, this, 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 this. And all this and this. I had a lady one time, uh, she actually said this in the middle of a class I was speaking, talking about the Trinity. And I, look, I don't understand the Trinity, how God is one that is three and three that is one. And then this lady said, well, you know what? Oh, goodness, when somebody starts like that. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm about to get some deep theology right here. I know. <laughs> you know what? God is a spirit. So he has a Holy Spirit. And Jesus is a spirit, and so he has a Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is a spirit, and he has a... So there must be six of them in the Godhead instead of just three. You know, that's the kind of stuff you get when you ask people who don't know. You know? And we still do it. And we know that. We know that, and we still do it anyway. You know, uh, or, or like the phone a friend. 
You know, when you phone a friend and you say, okay, that's good, because I'm going to ask an expert when I phone a friend. Right. You're going to ask your expert. And here's what you get on this game show. You get three people. You say, okay, this is my expert. These are my experts. These are their phone numbers. They get it all set up and everything. Three people. I have said since back in the day when this game show first came out, I have said, I know Darren is going to be one of my phone friends. He knows, he's an educator, and he knows everything about history and a lot of other stuff too, but I know anything about history, so Darren's going to be it. I got another friend. He's also an educator. He's in English, and so he will know all that kind of stuff, and he knows literature. He'll know authors and poems and all that kind of stuff, so he'll be number two. Then who do I pick for number three? Because those are two really good options, but I got a whole lot of other stuff. I mean, this could come from any subject. Who am I going to pick? Am I going to pick some of you guys that, you know, that, that know every single championship that's ever been won and who won it in baseball, football, and basketball for the last 50 years? You know, uh, am, am I going to pick uh, David Joyner because he knows every single song that was ever written over the last 100, 100 years or so, you know? Uh, who am I going to pick, you know? Or am I going to pick somebody that's going to help me with movies? Or am I going to pick somebody that's going to help me with, with science, you know? Who, who are we going to pick? Here's the point is nobody knows everything, right? Nobody knows everything. So what is, and the third one is 50-50. You know what that one does? You get four answers. And the 50-50 is they get rid of two, so you still got the the right one and one more wrong one. And is that our goal? (laughs) You know, I got a friend who gets it right 50% of the time. I'm going to call him and say what he thinks. Is that really the goal? Is 50-50 getting close? Now, let me tell you, when you're talking about life stuff, Getting close is not enough. Imagine this, if, if um, in one of those episodes, Regis says, now you got these three lifelines if you don't know what the answer is. I see you're struggling right now. But today we're going to do something different. We have the entire Encyclopedia Britannica sitting here. And if you'd rather take all the time you want, look through and see if you can find the answer, we'll let you do that on this. What do you think they would do? You think they would pick that or, they, or do you think they would pick the Encyclopedia Britannica? I mean, what, what would they obviously, obviously, right? Because the, the encyclopedia is probably where they got a lot of the answers to the questions that they're asking, right? So why do I want to ask you people that only know things maybe 90% of the time when I've got the answer right here and you and I have something better than the Encyclopedia Britannica? In the Word of God, that it doesn't contain truth, it is truth. <laughs> it is truth. You know, it's like God is love, and the Word of God is truth. And why in the world would we want to go? But we do, don't we? Man, we keep doing that. But, you know, they didn't, they didn't ever do that in an episode, let people look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica. They didn't do that. You know, today, if they were doing it, they wouldn't let them have a cell phone sitting there that they could, you know, kind of figure it out. They wouldn't do that. Why? Because, you know, it'd make, the, it'd make it easier, but it wouldn't make much of a game, Right? If you could look up every answer, it wouldn't make it much of a game. But that's the thing, isn't it? You see, that's the difference in that and this, is that's a game, but I'm living a real life here. You know, but then why in the world, when we have another option, do we still do these, these options? Why in the world, when we can dig in and find out what God's Word says, do we still go after the, the, the public opinion or, or asking a friend? Uh, who, who might be right, might not. I know you say, well, there's the experts, but I've watched enough of these episodes here lately. I can tell you those expert friends still don't always get it right. Oh, I, and I got to say this, you know, it's not, it drives me crazy. If you ever watch 
watched it enough, you know that they get 30 seconds to answer because they don't want them looking it up in an encyclopedia at home, right? They get 30 seconds, and it's like, why would you not? I mean, if you were asked to be someone's phone a friend, why would you not have a timer sitting there that when they said that time starts now, you start it? So it because there's so many times, I mean, they're like, like, oh, yeah, I am... You know, and it goes off because it cut them off. You know, and they're about to tell you how much, how, how uh, sure, how confident they are in their answer. I am, and, I, and it just cut off right there because they, they weren't paying attention to the time. So, uh, you know, why in the world would we continue to go back to public opinion when we've got something? We've got something that is truth that we always know is truth. Let me, let me give you a quote here. This is from an article I read just recently from Anna Lamine. She said, we tend to think that public opinion reflects the truth about the current situation. But in reality, nothing is more inaccurate and biased than people's opinions. And we know this, right? We, I mean, we kind of think, that, okay, these are my people. They're out there living this. They know that these are my friends. They know what is going on in the world. So they kind of know. So let me ask them. No. We know they don't. We know that public opinion is inaccurate and biased. We know that. Then why do we still be? And, and listen, I, there are times that you need to ask somebody. But when you do, ask someone who is going to point you toward the truth, not who's going to make it up on the go. Find someone, find a pastor. If you're a teenager, find your youth pastor or, or a mentor or, or an elder, someone who's older in, in the faith than you. Don't, don't, just, don't just reach out to anybody. Find someone who is going to go with you after the truth, okay? All right, because we, we have it right here, but we still reach out for public opinion. Let's bring it on home just a little bit more here with these examples. If In these examples, these situations, do you want public opinion or truth? You're buying a house. Do you post it on Facebook? Say, okay, everybody, how, how bad do you think this mold is that I see in this house, right? Is that what you ask? Or you might need heart surgery, you know? So what do you do? I open my Facebook and say, the doctor says I might need heart surgery. Have any of my friends had heart surgery? How did you feel about it afterwards? Do you think I should have heart surgery? Yes. No, and go. <laughs> I hate that too. <laughs> that and go is just like it, it's 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 just it's just so cute, you know. That you know for the first four hundred times I saw it, you know, it might have been all right, but it's like and go, and it's almost like these people are sitting there typing this, thinking that we're all on Facebook. And we're all ready to give our opinion. You know, if they'll just, okay, when they say go, we're going to do it. And go. So let's all hear, throw it in there real quick, right? It's like that. And, and, and so why do we do this? Is, is that really what you want if you're going to have heart surgery? Or if you're on trial for murder, do you want the jury to go by public opinion or by the truth? Uh, your platoon is about to invade an enemy's territory. Do you get in touch with MSNBC and say, hey, can you run a public opinion poll real quick? And ask them, you know, where do you think the enemy's hiding? You know, how, how strong are they? How many men do you think we'll need to, to, to uh, take them? And how, what kind of weapons? Is that, is that what you want? No, you, you don't want that. You want truth. But you want to see the radar. You want to see where the enemy is. You want, you want the drone flying over to snap the picture so you can see, okay, here's what we're going to do. You want the truth, right? And your marriage is at stake. Which do you want, public opinion or truth? But I can't tell you how many people go after public opinion for their marriage. For their marriage. 
Come on, we're talking about real life. This is not a game anymore when we start talking about this stuff. And we still chase after public opinion. Let me tell you something. Public opinion never, ever, 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 ever trumps truth because we will never get it right every 100% of the time. But we have something that is truth that gets it right 100% of the time. Then we ought to be, man, we ought to be digging into it and say, you know, we got problems in our marriage, problems with our kids, problems with our finances, problems with our health. We ought to be digging into that every single day that we can to pour it inside of us because it's, it's the thing that is going to help us through this, through our, through our faith in that. We need truth. We need truth. Oh, that's the first thing. Oh, but it's just so hard to figure out what to do. Got the Word of God. Oh, it's so hard to understand the Word, right? I mean, I've heard people say, I, even reading the Word, I just don't get answers to. Here's the second thing I want to tell you. Okay, the first thing was God's Word is truth. Second thing is God's Word is simple. I think I got one less amen just then than I did in the first service. Because nobody believes God's Word is simple. But can I show you a little something? Jesus says it's simple, and I believe it, okay? And, and here, Jesus was one time asked, oh, let's go to the Scripture because it even leads that in. Teacher, uh, Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And, and I like what Jesus does here. He asks a question, what's number one? And Jesus says, number one, and let me tell you something else. But we don't like that, do we? We want to just, you know, we want, we want to just say, tell me this, God. Jesus, I just want to know this. Answer this question. Don't tell me what to do with my life over here. Just answer this question for me. But he asked the question, and Jesus just took advantage of the opportunity. Let me tell you something else. It's not just about the greatest. Let me tell you about this one also. We, we, we often don't do what we just sang in that song, right? I'll make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Uh, but in actuality, maybe a lot of times our actions or, or our prayer is, do whatever you want to in this little part of my life. Uh, I'm just asking about this. This is my problem. I, I can handle all this, God. Leave this alone. You know, don't, don't, don't show me any truth in the word that, that messes with it. I, I, I just want to know this part right here. But Jesus says, no, let me tell you the second one too. The second one's like it. The second one says, love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says something crazy. He says, all, all, he says, all, all of the law, the Old Testament law, the, the Mosaic law, the law that God gave Israel through Moses, all the law and all the prophets, you know, all those prophets at the end of the, at the end of the Old Testament, all of the law and all the prophets, Jesus said, hang on these two commandments. Whoa. What does he mean there? I don't have time this morning, obviously, to go through the whole law with you, Right? And I don't have time to go through all the prophets. So let's just talk just for a moment about the commandments. You know those Ten Commandments? Let's just talk about those and see, see, see how this, and I think you'll understand what he's saying then about the law and the prophets. Okay, and the ten, you have Ten Commandments, right? And you know, the first four are these. It's, um, and paraphrasing here a little bit, but um, put God first. Don't worship anything else. Don't have any idols in your life. Don't worship anything else. Respect his name. And worship him regularly okay that's a paraphrase a whittling down of what those four are and so what about those those four all hang on that first one right there don't they our relationship with God all those things is how we treat God 
how we respect and how we honor him and how we follow him. That's what they are. So they all hang on that. What about the next six? The next six are these. Honor your parents, respect your parents. No murder, no adultery, no theft, uh, and no perjury or gossip. People read that sometimes, think it's only in court, but no, it means even, even out there in the public court of opinion. No perjury and no gossip and no coveting. Don't be jealous of anybody else's stuff. So what do those six do? They hang there on that second one, don't they? The Bible is about relationships. I didn't say that. Jesus did. <laughs> he said, here are the two greatest commandments, and everything else hangs on these two things. And what are these commandments? Your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. The Bible's about relationships. It's not about a bunch of rules about this and don't do this and do that and all that. That's not what the Bible is. That's what we reduce it to sometimes. In the Old Testament, that Old Testament law, you know, they tried to legislate morality. You know what that means is when you just keep making rules. They made rules and rules and rules. I mean, way beyond what's in the Old Testament. They kept making rules. And Jesus even chastised them for it. You know, y'all made so many rules, y'all can't even follow them. You know, it's kind of like this. You know, a mom got two kids in the back seat. They're on a long road trip. And you know what she does? She keeps making rules. You know? All right, don't stick your tongue out at your brother. Five minutes later, don't make faces at your brother. Five minutes later, stay on your half of the back seat. Five minutes later, don't even look at your brother's half of the back seat, right? And you just keep adding rules, right? That's what they did in the Old Testament. But you know what? If those two kids in the back seat could just figure that out right there, they wouldn't have to be told, don't stick your tongue out, don't make faces, don't, don't get over on. They wouldn't have to be told. And you and I too, if we could get this, we would understand the rest of it. I dare you. I, I, I'm telling you, the Bible is simple. And if you think there is any part of the Bible, you ever, or you ever read this six months from now, and you find something that doesn't hang on those two things, you come talk to me about it. Let's, let's talk this thing out and show me that I'm wrong because Jesus said it all hangs on that. That tells me that the Bible is so simple. It's just about having a firm, right relationship with God and being very careful of our relationship with other people. And that's all it is. It's so simple. And why can't we do it? Why can't we do it? Okay, but it's not just about that, okay? Those are the things. Here, here's, and I've only got time to preach, a bunch, uh, preach three things, but here, let me throw some more at you about what the Bible is, okay? God's Word is powerful, and that's the third thing I'm going to share with you. But His Word is life-giving. When you read the Word, it, it gives life, and it's life-changing, you know, not because it makes you do stuff you don't want to do, but it helps you with those two relationships. And it, it's life-changing. And, and his word is healing. When he speaks his word to you and you know that he spoke his word. You know what I wish? I wish I was, I was, sit, I was thinking a little bit about this in the first service. And in the second service while we were going through these songs, I thought, man, I wish we could just back up now and go through these songs after this sermon. Because there were so many little things thrown in there about, you know, uh, about God speaking to us in these songs today. And it's like, just think about this again. And, and, and how God's word is healing that when, when he speaks to us and we know that he speaks to us, it's so healing and it's restorative. The stuff that has been destroyed and, and has been taken from us, his word is restorative. It's comforting. And God's word is enough. 
Listen to me. Some of you that are struggling and, and you can't hold it together and you think it's going to fall apart, you, you think, I've got to have something. i got to have something. God's word is enough. It is enough for whatever situation you are in. It is enough. And God's word is eternal. God's word is perfect. God's word is authority. And God's word is a weapon. So go after You need the word of God in your life because it is all these things. But the third one I want to tell you is that God is powerful. God's word is powerful. Okay? Let, let, me, let, me, let me show you what I mean just a little bit here. Uh, help me out a little bit. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created what? Okay, you got that, right? And, and like I said in the first service, you know, this might get a little bit like, like uh, the, who wants to be a millionaire? The, the, the questions get harder as we go, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was, yeah, see, not as many of you answered that one right. The earth is without form and void. And something was on the face of the deep. Darkness. Yeah, see, they're getting harder, aren't they? Yeah. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved or hovered or brooded over the waters. And then we've got verse 3. Okay? Let's see, what does verse 3 say? Verse 3 says, Then God said, Let there be light. Okay? That's, that's what God said. But uh, we got the last of that verse missing there. So can you help me with that? And God said, Let there be light. Okay, we're back to the easy questions again, aren't we? Okay, good. All right, and there was light. What was it that created light? His spoken word. He, he didn't have to have a show. He didn't have some big box where you go in, you disappear, and then all of a sudden you reappear again, and light appeared out of that. He didn't have to do any of that kind of stuff. God spoke the world into existence. He spoke and light happened. He spoke and he spoke to the land and the land came, rose up out of the sea. And so the land was gathered to itself. So there was land, dry land and water. He spoke and, and grass came up and trees and, and bushes happened and all kinds of plants and herbs. And he spoke and, and, and the oceans were filled and the skies were filled and uh, the land was filled with animals. And, and, and men, when you think about that, and sometimes you need to, man, you need to read the Bible and stop for a minute. Just think about that. You know, if I had said that, if God just given me, if he given me that power to just speak stuff like that into existence, you know, without any idea of what he really was thinking about, you know, and I had done that, I'd said, let there be animals. They'd all look like dogs. I mean, I'd have just created dogs, you know, or something like that. That's all. I'd be thinking about a few animals, right? But God, when he created, and just in a moment, in just a little bit, because of, of how awesome his mind is, as well as his word is, I mean, in just a moment, he's creating lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my, right? You know? And he's creating uh, uh, grasshoppers and cicadas and crickets. And, and, and he's creating uh, whales and sharks and, and, and dolphins, you know? And, and, and he's creating emus and ostriches and rays. And, and, and he just speaks it. And all of a sudden, all of this happens. He creates the entire world with just his word. He does not even roll up his sleeves. He does not even break a sweat. Are you listening to this? Some of you that are struggling somewhere in your life, he doesn't even break a sweat. All he has to do is speak, and his word accomplishes exactly what he means for it to accomplish. So whatever's going on in your life, all you need is the word of God to speak into it. 
You just need the Word of God to speak into it. We, we need the power of God. We need the power. And if, and, and if we don't have it through His Word, if we don't have it, if you don't have it, 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 it's not messing with me. You're shortchanging yourself. You're the one that doesn't get the strength and the power and the help and the answers and the solutions. You're the one that doesn't get that. And you know, when we talk about believing in the Word of God, it means more than just believing that there is a Bible somewhere, right? You know, I mean, we've got Bibles, right? It means, it means more than just that. Believing in is something. You know, I, I believe that this music stand is right here, but I don't believe in it. I do not believe if I sit on it that it'll hold my weight. I don't believe I can sit on it and keep my balance because I don't think I can sit on it and put my feet on the floor and I can help it out. I, I do not believe in that music stand, okay, for my water, for this microphone. Yeah, but I do not believe in it, you know, for me. That's, that's what it means to believe in the Word of God. It's not just believing that it is, but believing, trusting in it. That when you have a problem, don't go to your phone of friends and, and asking the audience all the time, but say, what can God say to me out of His Word? And I know some of you say, but I don't even know where to start. Man, you're so lucky today. I mean, first of all, look around you. You've got, you got people in this room that, that could point you to Scriptures. But, but also, you're so blessed because, I mean, you've got, you've got smartphones that all you got to do is you look up and you can look up preachers for, for centuries now that is out there and it's online and you can find, you know, where's the scripture on this? You know, and if people could do this 100 years ago and get their answers from God, do you not think God can help you get an answer when you've got all these people around you and all these tools at your disposal? Yes, God can help you. And that's what it means to believe in his word is to say, I believe his word can answer this question for me. It can give me the help that I need. It can speak the life into me that I'm missing. It can restore everything that has been destroyed and bring it all back. That's what it means to believe in the word of God. And you need, you need, because if you're not doing that, you're just shortchanging yourself. Nobody else in this room, you're shortchanging yourself. Because you know what? His promises, God's promises, become our blessings when we believe in His Word. His promises become our blessings. When we believe that's that's what this thing is all about all those promises they're not just empty promises they become our blessings when we believe it trust in his word and here i got i got some here, here's, here's just some final scriptures to throw at you real quick isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 god's speaking about his word and he says when i speak when i say something when it goes out of my mouth it will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what i desire and it will achieve the purpose the purpose for which i sent it so so you need god to speak into you because when god speaks in one of those songs that we sang just a few moments ago that when god speaks i know what's going to happen and when you speak i believe it god i know it's going to happen when, when you speak, it's going to happen. That's what he says. It's going to happen. It, it, you know, he might hold off because we're not praying, or he might hold off because we're not following him like we should. But when he finally steps up and says, and he speaks, it is going to happen in your life. That's why we need to get God's word into our life. Not just in our head, but into our life. We need it into our life. Uh, let me hear John 8, 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
The truth will set you free. Uh, Jesus says, uh, he's praying here in John chapter 17, he's praying to his father. And he says, sanctify my disciples. That's who he's talking about. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus says that to his father. Your word is truth. John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That law that could never do away with sin, you know, and they just had to keep adding rules over and over and over, could never take away our sin. But grace and truth came through Jesus. See that? Do you see that? Not just grace, but truth. You got to have truth to have grace because grace comes out of the truth that we're sinners and we need him and he died for us. All of that's truth. And unless you embrace the truth, you can't have the grace because grace is part of the truth. And so that's why they all come together. And uh, Hebrews chapter four, for the word of God is living and it is powerful. And it's not just a sledgehammer, okay? It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. I, 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 I can't do that. You know what? I can break down, you know, how my body is separate from my soul and spirit because I've seen dead bodies, right? And I understand how that's going to happen one day. And, you know, and who I am is going to be out of this shell right here. But I don't understand how to break down between soul and spirit. I, I don't see that one. I don't figure that out. But this, this is saying the, the Word of God can even do that. And, and he goes on a little further. He says, even of the joints and the marrow. And, and think about this. You ever cleaned a chicken or, or, or a fish and how hard it is sometimes to get the meat off the bone or whatever? But he says the Word of God, this is an example he gives. The Word of God is able to actually carve between the marrow and the bone. So he's not, it's not just... A sledgehammer he's also this and he's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart man and so I don't I don't know how that speaks into your situations but I hope you're listening to what it's saying that the Word of God can devise and divine about all those things that are going on in your life and Matthew 24 35 says heaven and earth will pass away but my words Jesus said will never pass away you have the Word of God today because he said that because he stated this is going to happen. Because the word of God has been attacked. It's been maligned. People have twisted it. People have tried to change it. It has been burned. People have tried to get it out of existence completely. Uh, rulers in the past have done that. But it is still here today, inviolate, I believe, because Jesus said, my words will never pass away. Heaven and, heaven and earth are going to pass away one day, but my words are eternal. And if he speaks into your life, it's gonna, all those things, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's, it's a promise not for today, but it's a promise for forever. But we got to get him to speak into our lives. And, and how that begins a lot of times is reading the word on our own. You've got to embrace that. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.